senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 59, and we were just talking before we came up to record how this is going to be the first episode in weeks where we weren't bitching about the weather. It's been pretty nice in Boston for the last few days. Most of the snow has melted. We came up to the studio and settled down and looked out the window, and it's fucking snowing again. You jinxed it. it <laughs> I didn't mean to. I don't think I could take any more. Yesterday was finally the day I went out and physically kicked down the last of the snowbank that was preventing us from using our own fucking sidewalk. Yes. We've had to walk out the back door in the garage for six weeks to try to get anywhere through the driveway. I'm like, we're done. We finally fucking made it. And it's snowing again. Maybe it'll just melt. Maybe. I mean, I, mean, I, I think the weather says it's supposed to be in the 40s. Again, most of the week, so... It's above freezing right now, so hopefully I, it'll just melt. I mean, at this point, it's just... <laughs> Every time I turn the weather on, I feel like they should give me a trigger warning, because I look out the window, <laughs> I'm like, motherfucker, I can't... <laughs> the weather's touched me inappropriately for Jesus. weeks and weeks. It's like a goddamn conspiracy here. And it could be worse. I heard on the weather this morning that Maine got like 10 inches. Oh, Jesus. Uh, not in that good way. Rob, show me on the doll where the weather touched you. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, it, this is how I feel. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. <laughs> Although I need to sleep through this. It's just, yeah. if I see it start to accumulate, uh, I'm switching straight to the to the whiskey. I just can't take it anymore. It's not going to accumulate. Because, again, it's been an awesome week here. It felt great going into this show. We don't have to complain about the weather. The roads are starting to clear out. Most of the snow banks are gone. I think we're on the backside of it and just seeing it. I can feel my left eye either twitching or filling <laughs> with blood. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I'm tired of talking about the weather. Do, do you smell burning toast? No, we're not at that point yet, but let me have another couple beers. Okay. Either that or I'll <laughs> chill the fuck out and go, let's make snow angels. I don't care anymore. <laughs> All right, just put your pants on before you go outside. I will. Uh, I don't take orders from you or anybody. <laughs> Can't tell me what to do. So, it's snowing. Um, I mean, otherwise, it has been <laughs> an extremely calm and productive week at the Crisis on Infinite Midlife's home office. The new furniture we spent the tax money on has arrived. Everything is installed and in place. The, the insurance people have come, and we're expecting a check to get the walls painted from the water pouring down them anytime soon. It's very exciting. It, it's been nice. We're getting right after the show's over. over I'm going to finally get the tickets for the uh, Boston Comic Con. So at the very least, we're going to be able to cover that. Everything's Everything's been good this week. So if you've been listening to this show basically since the end of January with these horrible tales of woe, I swear to God, they're just about done. <laughs> the good shit's about to start. Is everything awesome, Rob? I'm not singing that song. God damn it. <laughs> no, I don't have a sound clip for it. But <laughs> Just as well. <laughs> oh, it's going to be locked in my head through the whole show now. Thanks a fucking lot, Amanda. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we'll find you. Rocking back and forth in a corner, looking at the snow, singing everything is awesome to yourself, quietly under your breath. You just want to suck the joy out of everything. <laughs> just, 
You're making my brain hurt, and I can't take it anymore. Have a beer. You'll feel better. Okay. Sounds like a good plan. So, uh, so yeah, it, it, it's weird. I feel kind of naked not starting the show with, here's why it's terrible to live in Boston. So, <laughs> so I guess we can start with uh, the weird shit that you sent me the link to. Yeah. So <laughs> this, this this is one of the weirder, uh, you know, since we do this show, we spend the week looking at comics news and reading comics and looking at just sort of general geek stuff. And not even every once in a while, fairly regularly, uh, one of us finds some weird goddamn thing where it's just, I can't believe that's actually a thing in the world. And I, I will let you introduce it because well, this was, this was posted to geek.com today. Um, there is a new toy on the market. It's called Hello Barbie. And the reason why this is geek-related... Is it a war toy? No. <laughs> the, the reason why this is geek-related is that it is a Wi-Fi-enabled speech recognition-doing Barbie doll. So you can, or, or your little girl can, have a conversation with it, and it will learn all of your likes and dislikes, log them, and send them to the cloud and and learn okay and and your your child will have conversations with it and you can get uh weekly updates about what your child is saying to the doll wait what yes. i missed that part of it hello barbie sends parents daily or weekly status reports about what their kids are saying okay see that's a problem because i was gonna say I didn't grow up with sisters, but I, I had friends with sisters, and I would talk to their Barbie dolls, and their Barbie dolls got to know what I liked. <laughs> I'll tell you this. Their Do par tell. Their parents would not want to get recordings of what was said to Barbie. <laughs> Hello, Barbie. I'm so lonely. <laughs> I, I would. This would have to be my legal defense. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know how this machine worked. And don't get me wrong, I worked the machine. I was a lonely child. What do you want from me? Barbie, what's wrong with me? I don't look like a Ken doll. <laughs> trust Am I me. dying? No, trust me. I knew that was okay, even as a child. <laughs> For God's sake. I want you guys to go out there and protect your balls at any cost. <laughs> yeah, that, even at about six or seven, I knew that was all right. Well, so privacy advocates are concerned because anything that can go to the cloud can get hacked. You don't have to turn on the Wi-Fi. Um, Where did they put the Wi-Fi antenna? <laughs> <laughs> Is there a visual? Uh, no. I watched the whole video from uh, the, the Toy Fair, the New York Toy Fair last month. They debuted this doll, and there, there was no indication readily apparent as to where the Wi-Fi antenna is. <laughs> so I... I'm wondering also, you know, there's going to be some conspiracy theorist out there that's going to be screaming that if you hold this doll too close to your child's head, they'll get a brain tumor, just like all of the, the chatter about you know, cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> if you're holding Barbie that close to your head, you've developed the same special relationship that, <laughs> that I always had with Barbie. But uh, yeah, there, there was a, a YouTube video of it running, and uh, I, I do have some audio of how this horrifying fucking thing works. Welcome to New York, Barbie. I love New York. Don't you? Yeah, there's there's blondes who listen to what I say there for money. <laughs> Tell me, what's your favorite part about the city? The food, the fashion, or the sights? Food. Food. We like the food and the restaurants. 
Pussy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's going on the status report. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you get on a list and you have to introduce yourself to your neighbors. I'm on so many goddamn lists, it doesn't even make a difference at this point. What's your favorite part of New York? The food? The fashion? The sights? Oh, gee. Heroin. <laughs> <laughs> gee, Barbie, actually, I'm, I'm really interested in the scientific establishment here in New York. I understand there are a great many universities and colleges where I can learn. <laughs> Buy bras. <laughs> Hello, Barbie. Send me money in a paper sack. Barbie, how do I make a sandwich? I understand that that's important. <laughs> Rob wants to know how he became the voice of Barbie in this fucking bit. <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> Rob, how do I make a sandwich? <laughs> I do what I'm fucking told. You want a sandwich? <laughs> Whatever it takes. So, I don't know. Are they using this technology for good or evil with this? If my parents could have given me a $6 million man action figure that would spy on me and let them know what I was doing, they'd have done it in a minute. Oh, I'm surprised they're not doing it fucking now. <laughs> well, Parker did just show up, and he is awful lifelike. <laughs> I had him examined by a professional. Um, there, there's nothing untoward going on with Parker the Cat. Okay. But, uh, yeah, my God. That's why I don't tell him about this show. <laughs> I don't need him to know what I'm doing. Even when I was doing comedy, it was, you're not allowed to come. So they, they knew certain things I was doing, but I certainly would never let them hear it. Yeah, somebody should have warned me about that <laughs> before I let my parents come to a show once. Well, yeah, but that that's a whole different... It's a story for a different time. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, my parents would have done it in a minute. I don't think I could be a kid now because I've got, you know, not friends. I have very few friends, but <laughs> I know people who have kids. And if they're, if the kids are in anything like junior high or high, yeah, they have cell phones and they have their find the cell phone, yeah, the GPS on. Oh, yeah. So that the parents know exactly where their kids are and know whether the phone is on or off. The cell phone nanny. I mean, how the fuck can you live like that? I mean, I never really got up to too much. Tr I, I did it the American way. I got into trouble in college <laughs> the way God intended when, you know, you know, you can be tried as an adult. So at least you're sort of smart about it a, oh, yeah. a little bit. But th there's a certain amount of childhood that's going out and getting away with shit or at least having your parents listen to you lie to their face and have the common decency to pretend to believe you since you didn't come home with blood under your fingernails or, <laughs> or a dumpster baby from the prom or shit like that. Yeah, I'm just waiting for my mind immediately goes to yeah, daily or weekly status report and you know, little little Susie. Oh, hello Barbie. Why does my no-no area hurt? Like <laughs> Don't tell mom. <laughs> Every time after Uncle Dave comes over. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. We've gone too far, I know. <laughs> but seriously. Oh, yeah, families will be torn asunder by this stupid fucking Barbie, but... That'll be like the new, rea not, not reality, but that'll be the new, you know, crisis family drama TV show on, on like, ABC or CBS this fall instead of the slap, the doll. <laughs> <laughs> the doll that rats. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I couldn't be a, 
a kid right now. I can picture coming home in high school with my iPhone in my pocket <laughs> and my mom say, my mom standing at the door going, according to the iPhone, you were parked around back of the high school uh, on a Saturday night from 9 to 1130. We're just going to check your pants with this black light. <laughs> Well, gee, Mom, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have whacked off onto my jeans. <laughs> yeah, in high school, I didn't go park to whack off. What's wrong with you? I don't. I mean, that would have to be the point where my parents had the common decency to believe me as I'm lying to their fucking face. But <laughs> no, Mom, I missed the sock. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mom, it's totally innocent. He was with that skank from <laughs> Drama Club, giving each other back rubs. <laughs> In their pants. Back rubs, front rubs. Look, all right, I've decided I'm no longer comfortable with this conversation. <laughs> Toys that surveil your children are immoral as a matter of res ipsa loquitur. The thing speaks for itself. Don't get them. Uh, yeah, well, I'm always creeped out by these things anyway. You know, even when it was like a Furby thing. I'm. It's, it's, a, it's a common trope. It's a common thing in general in horror movies, you know, toys that come to life. This is the last thing I would want if I was a kid, because I'd, I'd, the second it accidentally kicked on in the night, that would be when I lighted on fire. <laughs> it burns, Amanda. It burns. That's right. You melt, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but the, now the toy can call the police on, you on its own. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> the technology is generally good, and I am for it. But yeah, this, this is just a horror show. Yeah, yeah. So that was an odd thing that we found online. It, it's a grooming toy. It's like <laughs> grooming for what? For, for 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 the surveillance state. If if I was conspiracy minded, <laughs> no, yeah, stay off my turf. That's that's where I deal with it. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, just get used to being able to talk to Barbie. Tell her everything you wanna uh, that you wanna, and 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 the the state will be listening. And then it graduates to you know that there are televisions now where where part of the um in the in the user agreement that comes with it it warns you that it it might be listening to you that was part of your concern with getting the X bone <laughs> oh yeah it's a yeah anything with just sort of a camera in the living room and a microphone yeah you know, look I'm the kind of guy who tries to get his friends to use PGP for Christ's sake. Every time I turn my computer on, it tells the world, uh, yeah, via VPN, this computer is uh, overseas. It's <laughs> I'm naturally paranoid for this stuff. He said with a variety of microphones now set up in his second bedroom, <laughs> talking directly to the internet. But uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> and you almost need this kind of shit. Again, I'm not a parent... But you hear parenting conversations, and it's almost like a competition. Of, I'm sending my kid to this school. Oh well, I've got them with this, you know, chip on their neck or some goddamn thing. And you'd almost be forced to. Oh, you don't have the surveillance Barbie for for your child. Well, my child's a boy. Well, there's no surveillance GI Joe. You just you just <laughs> give him the Barbie and see what happens. And okay, Barbie, what do you have to tell me about my son? He's gay. <laughs> He likes to wear your clothes, Mrs. Smith. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, yeah. when I made the decision not to have kids, it was based on the very simple, I'm lazy and I like to drink and spend my money on me. I'm all for spending money on college, but I did that already. Why should I put some other motherfucker through it? <laughs> I know what happened there. It's not worth the cash you pay for it. But 
But now I just I couldn't handle the one upsmanship of, you know, oh, my child is on camera 24 hours a day. I feel guilty when I put the camera on the cat for fuck's sake. Yeah, but his grandparents like it. What? <laughs> he doesn't have <laughs> Just because your mom is still holding out hope that that some, somehow some piece of latex will break doesn't mean she's the grandparent to the fucking cat. Yeah, you tell her that. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Why is this happening to me? <laughs> Not even supposed to be here today. What? Uh, I want to talk about comic books. I'm, I'm getting very creeped out by this <laughs> talk of grandchildren and surveillance toys and where Barbie's Wi-Fi antenna is. <laughs> All I know is I won't watch Species again. Not, not soon. <laughs> now I'm terrified. As you should be. All right, so do you want to talk some actual comic book yeah, shit? Y- yes, let's do that. <laughs> I didn't think I'd get all worked up over this subject. Oh, look, it's a Barbie that talks to you. <laughs> it's wrong and bad. Yeah, it's... They're selling out to the Chinese. Wait, what? I never said that to Barbie. <laughs> There's a loaded thirty-eight in his bag. No, wait! <laughs> Can't have it. <laughs> Ding, it's the only way he can come anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the only way. Run! <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Let's talk about other reasons why things aren't as good as our childhood anymore. <laughs> sure. All right. So, yeah, one of the big uh, pieces of comic news this week, in, in its own way, it's not news. Uh, DC's Convergence event is coming up, starts at the beginning of April, goes for two months, and they're treating it like a, a soft reboot. Yes. Now, by soft reboot, and we've talked about this on the show before, about Half of the current titles are staying the way they are. They're staying within continuity to give a certain amount of continuity again (laughs) to the DC universe. Yes. While a whole bunch of newer titles are either being revamped and given new number ones or are not going to be in continuity at all. Okay. And they're doing it very much on purpose. And and the, the logic has been, well, we, we're hearing from all these different people at conventions, different pieces of fandom who don't necessarily care about the hardcore continuity that DC has always tried to have and certainly tried to put in place with the new 52. So we'll have some continuity for some fans, but then other books that just sort of do their own thing and they may cross in and out as they have to. And yeah, it, as a matter of fact, uh, DC did a press conference at uh, their new headquarters in Burbank uh, this week, I think. Okay. Um, and it was Dan DiDio and Jim Lee, the co-publishers of DC. And yeah, one of the things Jim Lee said was, and yeah, this is just a, a full-on quote, uh, it was really weird when we launched the New 52. There were so many fans focused on what happened between the five years when this character showed up and this character. It almost overshadowed what the original intent of it was, which was basically to put a fresh face on the universe, boldly go forward, tell new stories. This is an attempt to refocus the line, focus on story, focus on producing great stories that become canon, and letting the creators have some freedom to tell those stories without necessarily being confined by the restrictions of continuity. Does, so, but does, does continuity mean editorial? Are those words uh, interchangeable? <laughs> well, I don't know, to tell you the truth. Um, it, continuity, as I think they're using it, is the hardcore... Every book is tied into every other book in a particular way at a particular point in time as things go forward. So if something happens in one book that has definitely happened in every other book 
whether you saw it or not, it affects everything else. So everything is completely tied together. Okay. So it sounds like, and I've, I've gotten the sense as this has been going forward that yes, we'll keep certain books. There will still be continuity, but we're not going to be as tightly tied to it in an effort to bring in new readers. But at the same time, all the old readers presumably are still there. You in know, theory. Yeah. People <laughs> like us who've been reading for Jesus, Decades. 40 years. <laughs> And you know, have a certain amount of investment in continuity. So I have sort of taken it on faith. It's, yes, these new books are coming, and I'm really looking forward to a lot of them. But somewhere along the line, the, the DC universe is still the DC universe. So, yeah, and there's a certain amount of... That they almost have to do the, the idea of, yes, we're making all these changes, but Batman's still there. And the same dudes are still doing it. And Superman's still there. And at least the same dude is drawing it. And Wonder Woman's still there. Still the same team that's been on it for a few, for, for at least a few months. Okay. Except they announced this week that the, the Holy Trinity, they're all getting new fucking costumes. And some of them might not still be the same characters. And what's, will Batman in particular. Ah, uh, uh, yes. I'm not sure that's still Bruce Wayne, but. Yeah, they're they're hinting the way that the book is going right now. They're kind of hinting at either a big finale for Bruce or a leave of absence or something. Yeah, but it regardless of that, and we'll, we'll get to that. It's still vastly different costumes for Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman. Yes, right after Convergence is done. Yes, and I don't know what it is, but new costumes can drive fans <laughs> ape shit. Well, because it's different and therefore scary. Well, it, it can be. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Like a Barbie that talks to the cloud. <laughs> Barbie, why is Superman dressed that way? Well, that's the only way you can come out of your closet. I don't know. That, I didn't think that went through. <laughs> I really didn't think we'd keep doing the Barbie thing. So His other suit's at the cleaners. Indefinitely. <laughs> but, all right, so let's talk about the actual costumes. Okay. So with Superman, it's it's literally just jeans and a Superman t-shirt. Hey Rob, I think I might be Superman. It's it's possible. I will apparently be uh cosplaying as Superman at Boston Comic Con <laughs> this year. With God as my witness, if I find a picture of myself on like the Comics Alliance cosplay roundup <laughs> with the caption fat greasy Superman, there's gonna be violence of epic proportions. No, no, it's, it gets back to the everyman roots. We all are Superman, right? <laughs> even this, even this fat chode oh, Jesus. carrying a six pack of beer. But So it, it, the pictures look an awful lot like the kind of costume that Superman debuted in the New 52 in Action Comics. Well, and Superboy's costume since at least Jeff Johns did Teen Titans. Yeah. yeah. Except it's a blue t-shirt instead of black, but now the Kingdom Come Black is back in Superman's logo. Hmm. And for some reason, he has a George Clooney haircut. The better to emo with. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. You need much longer hair to go in your eyes for emo. <laughs> but Neo-emo. Now, the, the weird thing to me, and I am a couple of months behind on the Superman title proper but wasn't a big part of the explanation of superman's 
post new 52 powers was that it was based on this whole Kryptonian armor thing. Something like that. Now I've, I've heard again, I'm a couple months behind. I've heard that Jeff Johns blew his armor up uh, with that whole new Superman power, you know, where you've got like, the Human Torch's Nova Blast power or something. Super Saiyan. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, but I heard he then got another new costume, which is now getting chucked because of that. But I'm not sure if they followed through on, okay, now he no longer needs the armor to get the full Superman invulnerability. Don't get me wrong. If they're getting rid of that, I'm for it. The whole idea that Superman needed armor was always grotesquely stupid. I agree. As far as I was concerned. I agree. Now, it was a built-in excuse to say, oh, yes, uh, it came from Krypton, and that's why he doesn't need the trunks. Right. But. um, I I don't know. Honestly, I, it's. Out of all of the reboots, the Superman one has been of least interest to me in the entire New 52. Uh, <laughs> well, it's. He's not with Lois. He's wearing. A costume that didn't do a hell of a lot for me they eventually get to the point where they're doing this Romita art that just looks f flat and sad <laughs> well we're not john Romita jr fans and you know we've said yeah his as far as we're concerned his stuff is really inky and thick and all the faces look the same yeah. be it superman or a two-year-old child that superman just saved right and we know we're in the minority on that but that's the case we're just not fans of, of his yeah. art um, I think Superman got better from the immediate reboot. Grant Morrison did some interesting stuff In action. with action comics. The Superman title proper that I think George Perez was writing. Briefly. Uh, and that, yeah, then he went off it and then Scott Lobdell took it over. That, that hadn't really done anything for me. I didn't start getting that at all until Johns took it over. Yeah. But action comics has been not bad. And of course, I say that with. I'm drawing an utter blank. I want to say Greg Pak's been writing it. Okay. But for whatever reason, I'm having a brain fart. I think it's him. But that's <laughs> actually been pretty decent. This week's is actually pretty good. Whereas a last gasp before all this shit happens with Convergence, Superman got to Bizarro World. <laughs> There's a pretty decent one and done Bizarro story. Oh, cool. But, you know, and I say that and I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's Greg Pak that's writing it. Fuck. I can't. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's all right. You My parents would name their kid that. <laughs> <laughs> but... Now the other thing about this picture, and we'll, I'll, I'll get them all and, and try and stick them in the show notes, or at least put links to them. Mm. But it's Superman standing there with his hands clenched into fists. Yeah, blood all over his hands, <laughs> and it's dripped onto the ground and on his fucking shoes. What the fuck are they trying to tell us about Superman? Um, it maybe it's paint. Yes, it's paint. Superman was painting Smallville. Yeah, and yeah. He, that's why he's wearing the T-shirt. He didn't want to get his his actual suit dirty. Yeah, that's the ticket. And he got some <laughs> gum in his hair, so he had to cut it all down to the scalp. And he doesn't like painting, so he looks cross. Uh, Kryptonian lice, and and the only way to get rid of it was to to shave his head, and the hair grew back really quickly, but then it stopped. I I don't know. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> Barbie, why is Superman angry? Ask him where his Wi-Fi antenna is. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, it's... And I want to talk a little bit more about this in a, in a few minutes, but it's really sort of a... 
horrifying, hi, my name is Superman and I'm here to hurt you kind of picture. Yeah, it's... One does not expect to see that level of gore on Superman. He's the Boy Scout. He's supposed to walk away from these things clean, if not, if somewhat tattered, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just, it's a weird, weird, it was, of all of them, this one was disturbing to me. He wasn't dripping with that level of blood at the end of Man of Steel, and he had leveled most of Metropolis. Uh, yeah, and he didn't look that pissed. He looked, <laughs> at least at the end of Man of Steel, he looked like he felt bad about it. Yeah. But, <laughs> all right, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this in, in some more detail. Let's go to Wonder Woman. Okay. Um, no more one piece American flag swimsuit. Nope. She's got a kind of reminiscent looking chest plate armory kind of thing with. It's kind of tunicky. Yeah. And it looks like kind of a leather loincloth or something sort of hanging down to cover up the junk and the Wi-Fi antenna. (laughs) And she's wearing leggings of some sort. Yeah, she has pants. She has pants. And I'm okay with that. She is the god of war now. I think a prerequisite is gotta have pants. Pants. Pants are important for war. In all things. In all things, pants. (laughs) But she she also has sleeves. Yep. So she's really wearing more clothes than Wonder Woman ever has before. But she's, instead of the magic bracelet, she's got these big sort of half-sleeve up to her elbow gauntlets. That have some sort of stabby bit that comes out. Yeah, it looks like retractable Wolverine (laughs) pig stickers. Um, yeah, sticking a good eight or so inches out of you know, beyond the end of her fingers. Yeah, and she's got these big, awful thigh-high hooker boots over the leggings. Over the leggings, and the the, the boots. <laughs> they I couldn't tell if they had heels or if they were a sensible flat-soled flat-soled hooker boot. Is there such a thing? Um, at rent fairs. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the whole thigh-high boot thing does not scream warrior. It screams, hi, sailor. Well, maybe she's got other weapons. <laughs> what are you in town for, sailor? I'm Wonder Woman. All right, yeah, the best analogy I can come up with is in Pretty Woman, Julia Roberts was rocking these, like, thigh-high boots, and, and she kept her condoms in the top. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so maybe... Maybe Wonder Woman has other weapons stashed in in there. I, I... <laughs> don't look at me like that. <laughs> Shuriken condoms. Shurikens would fit. That'd yeah. be great. Yeah, because Wonder Woman's well known for her ninja shit. <laughs> Come on, it's the new Fifty Two. <laughs> might have a fucking grenade in there, but but yeah, it's a Julia Roberts hooker boots and Pretty Woman is the first thing I thought of when I saw those, <laughs> and. I could be wrong on the Wolverine. It's possible that those things sticking out of the back are just supposed to be there. They're hand protection of some kind, but they really extend out. Yeah, they seem like they would be inconvenient for daily life. So say I'm at the salad bar and I want to go get some <laughs> lettuce and some spinach to put in my bowl. I can't because I've got these stabby things that are in the way. <laughs> yeah, it's it, if they're always there, the first time she goes to pick her nose she's gonna be the first god of war with monocular vision she's gonna put her own eye out <laughs> how'd you get that scar funny story <laughs> yeah. but yeah and, and the problem with it is i can sort of see okay god of war maybe that's the kind of thing 
I don't, perhaps that's a traditional weapon that I'm not a, a student of fucking Greek or Roman mythology or warfare or anything like that. But I guarantee half your fan base is going to look at that and go, that's a fucking Wolverine knockoff. It's more distracting than yeah. anything else. I don't understand why she can't just have a sword. She used to have a sword. Yeah, which seemed fine. <laughs> but eh, everything's a gimmick these days. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> You know, and it, that alone is not going. There's there's a particular type of fan that that alone might attract, but <laughs> they're far too busy cranking off to X twenty three. You're not going to get them to jump lines over this. <laughs> and the color scheme, I suppose it makes sense because it's not red, white, and blue anymore. It's really red, white, and gray with mm. some yellow in there. You know, the traditional yellow stars and shit. I mean, it's fine. But it does look a little bit off. Well, it's also got that weird high neck, like used to be on uh, Super uh, Superman's old costume. Oh, like yeah. apropos of nothing. Yeah, the big high neck since the new Fifty Two. I'll I'll never get. It, it's more shit to draw. Maybe DC's paying by the pen stroke now. In which case, John Romita Jr. is the richest man in comics. They're all supposed to be five years younger, but the actors got older, so we have to cover up the turkey neck. Turkey neck. <laughs> Superman's turkey neck. I'll write that down. <laughs> no wonder he's pissed and punching the blood out of people. <laughs> but I mean, the, the, again, with a certain number of people, it's going to piss off the darkening of Wonder Woman's costume. It's going to piss off the same people who got pissed off when they darkened Superman's costume for Man of Steel or the, the darker Wonder Woman costume that they're going to have in Zack Snyder's Dawn of Justice. Yeah. Uh, now... Does the entire thing make more sense for a warrior character than, you know, the the look at my wax job briefs? And <laughs> yeah, of course, warriors should have pants, some kind of hand protection. If ostensibly you're supposed to be a sword fighter, makes some sense. But it just seems weird that Superman, who they had built at least right after the new 52 that his powers are based on this ridiculous costume. They're throwing that costume away and they're given wonder woman. And I don't know. It just seems weird. Possibly since she is a, a God of war now, uh, it's a ceremonial outfit and they're going to follow the Amanda Connor power girl rule of thumb. Maybe she has other costumes. We don't know about. no, I guess that's possible. What other Power Girl costume am I not aware of? Well, no, they, they, that was their excuse for why Connor would draw her differently at times. There's always, there would always be some sort of boob window, but they would just do variations on the costume because women like to change their clothes. Not me. I've been wearing these goddamn pants for six months. <laughs> They'll walk away from me eventually. I'll buy new ones and start taming Jesus. them again. All right, this is going sideways. Yeah, it always does. <laughs> but, uh... All right, so, and then there's Batman. Oh, God. And then there's Batman. Are we sure it's Batman and not RoboCop with bunny ears? <laughs> you just want to suck the joy out of everything. It's Bat 209 is really what it is, like Ed 209 from yeah. RoboCop. I, I don't know if it's a robot. I don't know if it's meant to be some remote-controlled suit that Bruce is operating from the Batcave. <laughs> uh, I don't know if Azrael decided, nope, bigger guns or... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's basically a big armored suit 
that looks like he's got a Judge Dread helmet from the back. Yeah. And yeah, the, the ears, they're like bunny ears. They're they're not bad ears. No. They 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 look like what Grandma had trying to pull in Channel Fifty on UHF <laughs> on the old Zenith. It, it it looks like Pikachu tried to fuck his head. <laughs> <laughs> I Pikachu's you. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but and he's got. What looked to be shoulder-mounted rocket launchers. Yeah. Batman has shoulder-mounted rocket launchers. And Wait, are we sure this isn't War Machine? I don't. <laughs> well, that's a, yeah. It looks like Batman went by way of uh, Iron Man, except for the big one. He's got a handgun. I saw that. That's also disturbing because yeah. you know Batman. Because yeah, guns. I made the joke, but even when Osiris was Batman, he didn't have a gun. You know, and everyone who isn't Grant Morrison should know it is antithetical to Batman to give him a gun. Yes. It's like giving a Kardashian a sense of shame. It fucks up their origin story. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and it robs them of any symbolic power they might have. <laughs> now, this one is most disturbing, but it's also the most open to interpretation because it might well be an entirely different Batman because right. the, the solicits for Batman 41 and th this image that we've seen is the main cover uh, to 41. I think it's, a, it's at least one of the covers. Yes. But, but the solicits uh, solicit is uh, the all new Batman makes his debut. Who is he and what happens next? Find out here as a new era begins in Gotham city. Okay. Now let's step away from the costume for a moment. It's not even a costume. This horrible bat erection that Jesus. something is walking around in. In my lifetime, there have been three occasions where somebody who was not Bruce Wayne was Batman. Two of them were Dick Grayson and one was John Paul Valley. Yes. And it never takes. The times they've done it have been to sort of prove a point about Batman. There's been a reason storytelling reason to do it or a thematic reason to do it and with Asriel it was to give fandom what they thought they wanted in the early 90s which was Batman as Punisher yeah and they wanted to show why that would suck and make no mistake it sucked <laughs> I, <laughs> I stopped reading Batman for a while because of it but yes. I get why they did it um, Dick Grayson was Batman particularly the second time around Honestly, I'm not entirely sure because Grant Morrison has some kind of hard on for putting a gun in Bruce Wayne's hands and blowing up his face. I mean, uh. And I, I don't know the reason here. We're in the middle of the Endgame story. So the big Batman story. We've talked about yep. several of the issues on the show with Joker is back and maybe he's an immortal and maybe he can't be killed. And wait, wait, we have to pause so I can hit my head into the wall for a while. <laughs> No, we don't have time for that, for Christ's sake. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I don't know where that's going to go. Are we finally going to have the Joker win? This new immortal Joker kills Bruce Wayne. I mean, look, there's no question that if this story gets rid of Bruce Wayne, it is for a limited amount of time. And it's yes. a, if it's a thing that at best will be sort of an interesting, oh, that's kind of a cool take on the Batman mythos as a whole. Okay, I get what you're doing there. Now can we get back to sort of what we always wanted? Well, I wonder 
also how much this suit comes out of the the end of that last Justice League arc that we saw where he realizes that whatever rebreather apparatus he has for trying to avoid viruses and whatnot was flawed because it was breakable. Well, how much of a bubble does he want to put himself in? (laughs) Well, that still wouldn't lead to Bruce Wayne carrying a fucking gun. I don't disagree. I'm just trying to figure out what circumstances would get to the point where he felt that he had to kind of go Iron Man. Well, and that's why I'm kind of hoping this solicit really does mean, at least for a while, if this is what we're going to do, it's not Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Because... Yeah, let, let's remember, if, if you look at that picture, he's not just carrying a gun. The gun is smoking. Yeah. Batman has fired the... Unless that's his smoke gun, Bruce Wayne has found a taste for fine tobacco. Jesus. Just fires smoke directly down his face. And, it, and, it's, and it's one of those sort of, you know, BFG kind of guns. It's <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's a, we don't... There's nothing there for scale. This could be a 10-foot bat robot. Well, there's, there's, on one of the solicits, there's him facing, is it Superman? And, and towering over Superman. I don't think I saw that one. It's on, um, I think on Bleeding Cool, they had a bunch of the various art panels up. And there's one, I think he's facing Superman and towers over him. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. So, okay. I, it would make a certain amount of sense if he's a 10-foot bat robot. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I can't imagine what would happen to Bruce Wayne to make him not only decide that he's Tony Stark, but carry a fucking gun permanently. Maybe and he th- starts drinking. And we both. <laughs> no, that's for Dark Knight Returns, goddamn. <laughs> I mean, we both know it's not going to last forever. He will be back in the bat suit. Well, yeah, I mean, any that's I think I think part of where some fan outrage comes from is. A, it's different, and to some fans, it, see, it seems needlessly different. What was wrong with the thing before? Why are you fixing something that doesn't seem broken to me? And on the other hand, the piece I think that plays into it is it always does feel gimmicky. They, In many cases, these redesigns don't hold, and they end up sliding back towards status quo of what they had. When it comes to the A-list heroes, they almost never hold. Right. I mean, all right, to to talk about costumes in general beyond, you know, just just these these three. The the first time I remember a costume change was Spider-Man when he got the black suit in, uh, I think it was 1984. Yep. It was Batman 252. Batman. Spider-Man 252. (laughs) Um. Now, with that said, that costume really kind of made a lot more sense for Spider-Man. You know, with just the black and white, it would be easier for someone to maintain and to put together. Yeah. It looks more like a spider, but I, I fucking hated that costume. <laughs> and it was... Even though it made more sense, and yeah, so I was 13 at the time... And it was probably exactly what you said, a combination of, uh, oh, it's changed, why are you changing it for no good reason? But I think it was also, these costumes are symbols. Right. They're symbolic. And Spider-Man was the first comic book I ever read as a kid. 
So to take this symbol and say, oh, no, we got a better one for you, that really bothered me. Mm-hmm. And I continued to read Spider-Man. But it's, you could almost tell they knew it was a bad idea because very quickly it was, oh, it's a symbiote and we have to get it taken care of. We have to clear the decks yeah. to put him back into a regular costume. And the whole thing was over by 1988 and Spider-Man 300. Here, here's the picture. I, I just pulled it up on Bleeding Cool of of the, the bunny bat suit towering over Superman in his Levi's. Okay. So, yeah, if Superman's six feet tall, uh, this Batman has got to be ten feet tall. Yeah. Plus the antenna. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if their antenna, yeah, maybe it's just a, a a robot. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, and even in this uh, Detective Comics cover, he is easily the largest thing in in the landscape. If everybody else is normal human sized, okay, and not midgets. Yeah. So, although I would I would follow the adventures of Midget Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> the Adventures of Midget Gordon. But but yeah, I mean, back to the, the Spider-Man suit. It's weird that the whole thing was over in 1988. Because that was like the, the height of the Dark Age. And there was a stretch just before the Clone Saga where they even tried to, to darken Spider-Man up more. They like almost had mental problems. He was wandering around muttering, I am the spider. And he was still in the red and blues. Yeah. So... There's something about changing costumes that just fucking sets people off. And it almost never sticks. Not with the A-list ones. True. So, I mean, it's hard to get worked up about it if... Well, no, that's the problem. It's so fucking easy to get worked up about it. I'm, I'm worked up by that Batman suit. I shouldn't be. I know whatever is causing it is temporary. And within 18 months, we're going to be right back to where we were. Yeah, well, it, it, I I get it. I mean, I I didn't like when Bendis did the Dazzler redesign. Well, he didn't do it, but the artist working with him did. <laughs> C- congratulations, you're the only one. <laughs> <laughs> no, there there were other, there were like others, <laughs> like one or two others. But the point is, <laughs> Bar- Barbie, what did you think about the Dazzler redesign? It was wrong, and you knew it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was. I'm sorry. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Barbie, let's talk about fashion. What do you think about the Dazzler redesign? <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> That's not going to get old for me. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm here for, baby. That's what I'm here for. So, uh, I mean, they, they've done recently uh, a redesign on, on Jessica Drew's costume in Marvel so that she's wearing a, a much more street-friendly outfit as opposed to the the red vamp outfit that she's been in for decades. Yeah, which is, a, and I, I read that issue, and that's fine. That that actually makes a lot of sense. You know, look, <laughs> I'm a grown fucking man. I have <laughs> internet access. If I need to see what amounts to nudes, I, <laughs> I, I almost have to go out of my way to miss them. <laughs> it's just... It's the joke I always make. I, if I faceplant into my keyboard three times and hit enter, it's <laughs> pornography. That's just the nature of the internet. So it makes a lot more sense to me to, you know, while I don't particularly like the direction of the character in Batgirl since uh, Cameron Stewart took it over, that costume makes a shitload more sense. Yeah, and, and the the discussion around why Spider-Woman's outfit is now becoming more subdued and street friendly, although incorporating elements of the old costume makes sense because they're trying to take that 
character and her storyline back to a more street level 70s ish kind of story yeah um but there are people that are still outraged about it eric larson was on twitter calling it uh or comparing it to a potato sack which it doesn't look like a potato sack and the man can draw i would think he knows what a potato sack looks like <laughs> yeah but you know what it's not the old spider woman costume where you could you know <laughs> where you could fap what <laughs> i wasn't gonna go with fap but you, you could tell her personal grooming habits and <laughs> you know clear the kind of lycra that has boob pockets <laughs> you know it, but only an asshole would go out and fight hydra <laughs> you know wearing tit socks it doesn't make any sense true the costume never really looked like it had a lot of support for the girls yeah, it's, you know, hot, sure, but it's a drawing. It's not real. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I'd rather have a costume that makes more goddamn sense. I don't buy my comics and go, oh, mama, oh. Because <laughs> Barbie would rat me out. <laughs> and I can't have that shit. I missed the sock. <laughs> Hands to yourself, Rob. Damn it! <laughs> so, so, yeah, I'm fine with that. But also, you can do that kind of thing because Spider-Woman isn't an A-list character. Right. You look at the A-list one, Spider-Man, uh, granted, they tried to replace Spider-Man for a while, but... You know. Again, it was it, it was sort of understood from the get-go, despite Dan Slott's protestations, it was going to be temporary. Well, I wasn't even talking about Superior Spider-Man. I was talking about the Clone Song. Oh, yeah. Where Ben Riley, even he, had, he still had red and blue, but it was different with a bigger spider and... Yep. Um, but yeah, Superman with the electric blue. Uh, yeah, red super uh, red Superman versus blue Superman. Yeah, versus black costume Superman. It's <laughs> weird when it comes to a list characters. Batman's has changed over the years and has stuck. But it's weird that was based on for years. It was always the same. It was the the gray with the blue accents and yep. the yellow oval bat signal. Yes. That changed literally thanks to Frank Miller across four issues of Dark Knight Returns where he starts in that costume. <laughs> and by the end of the book, he's he's in black and gray with just a, a bat with no oval. Yeah. And within a year and a half, Batman had moved to that. Right. So that one's kind of stuck. But the differences there are so minor as compared to a 10-foot bat robot with bunny ears. <laughs> it really does look like some reject from Robocop. It, yeah, it, <laughs> um, yeah, a combination of Ed two hundred nine and kind of War Machine, and it's not as though he hasn't created mechanical suits before. I mean, Batwing, his suit is very mechanical. Um, he creates the the suit that eventually becomes Batman Beyond, which is also very mechanical, right? So maybe this is some prototype that will lead to something like that. I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but there's such a such a difference in time between the Batman Beyond suit and Batman. You know, it, it takes the course of years and sort of the extrapolation in your head of okay, at some point this is what it became for it to to really make sense. Yeah. You know, you really only see Bruce Wayne in that costume for the first half of the pilot of Batman Beyond. I mean, they are hinting at they are hinting at it being somewhat robotic looking at that 
cover, I guess, they have of um, Batgirl where it says eliminate. So it looks very, you know, robot and targeted. Yeah, it's... <laughs> oh, no, his wiring has gone wrong. What will happen to Barbara Gordon now? And look, we we all know whatever's going on with that costume, it's going to be temporary. Yes. Now, Greg Capullo did not, you know, with his style that's somewhere in between Frank Miller's and... Uh, various other former classic A-list Batman, right? He didn't sign on to draw a robot. It almost looks as though he got a hold of the Beetle Scarab and it somehow fused with his outfit. <laughs> Maybe that's Joker's final gag? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But. So. But yeah, it's. I'm trying to think of other A-list costume changes. Yeah, there was a... Uh, Wonder Woman, when she got pants, when J. Michael Straczynski took over. For about 20 seconds. Yeah, that lasted, (laughs) you know, I think the arc lasted 10 issues. Yep. I think JMS lasted two. (laughs) And by the time it was all done, yeah, we were right back to normal. Right. Daredevil, he's kind of arguable as to whether or not he's A-list. He changed to that sort of black and white armor that was supposed to be made out of like spider webs when dg chichester yeah back in the 90s you know the one where they brought back garrett and yeah electra even though they were never supposed to be in in that continuity and as soon as chichester left they got rid of that because uh that arc sucked (laughs) it was terrible i hated it well he's been uh, he's been in in the yellow jammies and he's been in the red jammies and the black jammies (laughs) yeah but when he went from the yellow that was very early and he most certainly was not an a-list character yeah and and that was that was just a change that made sense when we put him in a devil suit oh shit (laughs) oh yeah it's right there in the name why didn't i think of that yeah good idea gene sorry i stan lee was doing a lot of cocaine to get all these books out at the same time Besides, D-Man needs a costume. Give him the yellow one. Oh, don't bring D-Man into this. <laughs> God damn it. But the the one A-list, and this is also arguable about A-list, because he's A-list now because of the movies, but the one character who constantly changed costumes and everybody was okay with it was Iron Man. Right. Iron Man got a new suit of armor about every year and a half or two years whether anybody wanted it or not. That's because Stark gets bored and needs things to do with his hands. Well, and and that always sort of made sense, because since it was technology-based, you could have the sort of built-in, okay, we're going to give him a new armor with a few new powers, and it'll freshen everything up and get everybody excited again. Yeah. Now, granted, one time those powers were uh, roller skates. (laughs) (laughs) And here I go back to Dazzler. (laughs) But you'd get these new looks, and it was kind of cool. I may be the only person in the world. I will stand by the Silver Centurion armor that he wore going into Armor Wars. Yeah. You know, granted, it had big 80s shoulder pads and wasn't sleek in any way. But Much I like Wonder was... Woman now with this redesign. Yeah, but <laughs> I always thought that was cool. I'm the only one. I know that. Half the free world, as soon as he you know, went to back to a, a gold and red to take on... Oh, God, I forget the, I forget the name of the armor that... To, that seemingly killed Stark at the end of Armor Wars. I haven't read that in a while. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. But it might have been Ironmonger, just like the that movie. That makes sense. But either way, it was <laughs> I was the only one going, oh, I like the silver and red. Yeah. But, well, I mean, all right, in the X-Men, Jean Grey goes through various costumes um, I mean, the X- as her character matures. The X-Men overall have gone through various costumes. So there it was just sort of like, oh, you blink and it's like, oh, they must have gotten bored and wanted a different outfit. Oh, look, Storm's got a mohawk. 
yeah, that one's terrible. I never liked that. I don't <laughs> like it now. Um, but I mean, it, so in there, you, you just sort of take it as a, a matter of course. If if the character is drawn differently the next week, up oh, somebody got bored and changed their outfit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and one thing, and I thought of this because it was just on a on Twitter today. Steve Wacker was talking about it, but uh, Ms. Marvel had the original. Uh, looked kind of like actually Wonder Woman's now the yeah the red and yellow and blue uh, with the skirt, and yep. then she went to the black with the lightning bolt uh, warbird costume. Yep. And then she switched back, I think, before she went to the full Captain Marvel costume. And yeah, uh, Steve Wacker was the editor on that book when it started. And he did a bunch of tweets today uh, talking about why they did it. And uh, I'll read some of them off. Changing Cap's Marvel outfit was absolutely not due to fan reaction. Uh, It was something I'd wanted to do for years. And apparently a lot of people are, oh, as soon as... Kelly Sue DeConnick got it. It was, no, we need something that isn't sexy. Apparently that's not the case. I never really thought that. I figured you're rebooting the character. Yeah. Giving it a new name, that's the key time to do a new costume. But again, Ms. Marvel slash Captain Marvel was always B-list. You could fuck around that way. Nobody really cares all that much. Yeah. But I'll read some more of these tweets. Uh, The idea that the costume change was implemented because of a vocal minority is incorrect. Uh, there were a lot of reasons to change the co- change the costume. One big one was that I wanted my daughter to be able to dress up as Captain Marvel. All right. I don't know. My mom put me in a belly dancer outfit when I was in like third grade for Halloween. Some exposed midriff there. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Barbie, what have I learned from wearing this costume? Tell men, give me a dollar and I'll make you holler. The pants might have been see-through. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's like a pink vest. There's no statute of limitations on that shit. You don't might take your mom to the cleaners. Now's the time. With like gold fringe and red pants that were like that see-through stuff. I probably was wearing shorts under them. I like to believe I was wearing shorts under them. That's, oh, oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm just going to move on from that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Just get it. Shut your eyes, Mary, and don't look at it no matter what happens. <laughs> See, just when you think I'm out of just like, oh, God, it's your childhood stories. I got others. <laughs> I- I'm surprised you can hold a job. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I mean, unless you're hiding a drug habit well, you're really well adjusted. I am so functioning. <laughs> I do hear you whispering that to yourself at night sometimes. I'm functioning. I'm functioning. <laughs> I'm going to write that down. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's not a bad one. Um, All right. Uh, Yeah, one more directly on point tweet from Steve Wacker. Uh, We certainly got some folks upset with the costume change, mostly older fans, but that happens uh, every time you do anything. And certainly there had to have been some hardcore Ms. Marvel fans around who felt betrayed by it, but even with that, I can't see why, because... The Ms. Marvel costume she wore to start with was always a knockoff of Captain Marvel's costume. I always liked the old costume. I mean, I I didn't really care about the um, change to the new one, other than at the time it seemed like they were, since they hadn't gotten around to finally re-releasing Miracle Man yet, it seemed like they were looking for an excuse to keep that design 
sort of thing within the Marvel fold. Yeah. And that, that was all I could think of um, other than, you know, they're trying to bring in this sort of military look because that's her background. I, I am not a fan of the Mohawk. I'm glad that's kind of gone away. <laughs> yeah, the, the Mohawk when she goes full face helmet. Yeah, that's that doesn't do a hell of a lot for me. And also it just seems like, oh, good. You've given somebody a handle to grip if they're bigger than you. <laughs> well, I mean, she's got longer hair. Trust somebody with longer hair. There's a reason I don't get into fights. And one of them is I'm a pussy, but the other one is to just grab your hair. So, yeah. I mean, the, even that I could kind of see because the original green and white Cree military uniforms had the head crest. Yeah. So the idea but, of a mohawk. All right, that makes more I sense. I get what you're going for. I, I didn't think it worked, but. Okay. All right. That that makes more sense in context. But yeah, the, I liked I liked the other the other costume. I I liked the sort of sash scarfy thing that she had around her waist it was neat are we talking the red and blue or the black with the, the black uh, lightning bolt? with the lightning bolt yeah i was th thought that was fine but again she was b-list at the time now the other question is with a movie coming out clearly the decision has been made captain marvel is a-list yes think they would even remotely try and do that now you mean switch her into change the costume uh I think I think it's going to depend on what designs they come up with for the movie and then you might see more of a morph towards whatever that is if they decide not to go exactly with whatever the costume is now. Well, they never go exactly because you can't reproduce that kind of shit. <laughs> but my my point Look, is nobody in the real world looks even remotely decent in spandex. They always do something. The the designs for Man of Steel were very similar to the comic book so one wonders if they they did it so that they could sort of meet at a, a middle point <laughs> yeah but didn't the man of steel designs come out before the new 52 designs i think so and that's why i'm saying i i feel like that has subsequently kind of altered the costume so this is what i'm saying if they do this for a, a captain marvel movie if they alter the costume somewhat, you might see a bit of a design change in the book. Well, most certainly, because, yeah, they will go with, they'll go with what works. Yeah. So, trying to think of other, the only costume change that I ever thought was, yes, that's awesome, and frankly, I was too young to even know it was a costume change, was Deadshot's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Deadshot was when he debuted, and then I don't think anybody saw him for 30 years, so certainly the first time I ever saw him was when uh, Marshall Rogers was on Detective Comics in the 70s. But, yeah, I mean, he was originally a dude in a tuxedo with a domino mask and pistols. <laughs> you know, and that new costume was so awesome. Oh, actually, all right. But, but he was a villain. You could put villains or whatever the hell you want. Yeah, like in those in that line, you know, for years, Harley Quinn was in the, the red and black Harlequin outfit. And then with, when um, Arkham City did so well, they they shifted <laughs> making her a real whore. Well, yeah, now she's she, in, like she listened to Wi-Fi Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> they they put her in like the Bustier and the Daisy Dukes, and then and then that's been it. Because <laughs> Wi-Fi Barbie is my co-pilot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I I think it's fine to put characters in whatever costume you want. It should be practical. And if I'm worried that my bikini line is showing when I'm fighting, I'm going to be distracted. <laughs> yes. 
So am I. <laughs> Let you punch me in the face. I don't <laughs> So I mean, <laughs> so I mean, when it, yeah, I don't have have there ever been any costume changes that set you off one way or the other? Like Spider Man did it to me. Batman's uh, when uh, Azrael took over did, but uh, that was also a different dude. Which I'm trying to keep in mind. We may see that with Batman's. So it's that's a little bit different. Um, that's hard to say. Because I'll tend to sort of push through and keep reading until eventually the thing changes back to the way it was before. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I did not have the most positive reaction seeing these new designs that came out this week. Well, all right. So <laughs> I did not like the redesign they did of of Batgirl. I get all of it. But then, you know, you have to say sometimes these things are not for me. Well, <laughs> again, I think Batgirl's costume is an excellent design. You know, particularly considering the character is not directly under the tutelage auspices and yeah. budget of Bruce Wayne. You know, she operates on her own, so so the costume I, makes a lot of sense. The book isn't doing a lot for me, but I can get behind the costume. I I haven't had like a flat out just negative um reaction to a costume, I don't think. Like where I to the point where I'd have to put the book down and not read it. Okay. I don't think that that's been the case. But again, you know, you get you get jaded over time. It's like, oh, well, they gave what what is this on Supergirl knee pads? Like, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> oh, it must be Tuesday. Like, <laughs> well, it's well known that Supergirl is invulnerable except for her knees. Yeah. <laughs> or or was it a cutout? Like on the it was just like the stupidest boot design <laughs> oh god yeah i'd forgotten about that because yeah i haven't kept up on supergirl since since the new 52 so yeah i i i can't say that there's ever been a, a costume change that has completely turned me off because eventually things shift again yeah they do yeah like a spider-man uh, spider-man did it probably more so than than I will ever have again. Yeah. Although, like you, I had, I got some issues with what I'm seeing from from <laughs> these three, in particular, Batman and Superman. Yeah, to see that art without context beyond things are going to be shifting and changing because of convergence. Yeah. Really puts the the questions in your head. Why would I see Superman ever bloodied to that degree? that that worries me for the character uh, yeah i mean on one hand i like that one but then again i'm the guy who when playing champions the tabletop role-playing game which i played before you ever met me um playing city of heroes on you know the massive multiplayer game all of my superheroes always had jeans and t-shirts yeah because it always it, unless you're unless you're bruce wayne you know with with a tailor on staff yeah you know, while Spider-Man's red and blue costume is iconic, there's no way a teenager sewed that himself. Now, then again, there's no way a teenager created an industrial adhesive <laughs> as good as his web shooters. So you take a certain amount with it, but it always just sort of made sense to me. And I played, you know, sort of middle class, working class heroes in these games. So that made sense to me. But on the other hand... That's fucking Superman. 
you know, mean streak on the Galaxy City server of <laughs> City of Heroes isn't Superman. You show Superman in his original costume to literally anyone in the world and they know who Superman is. Right. Yeah, that is an iconic costume. Yeah, and that's the original one. You can have your arguments about, oh, well, this new one is different. It's different. It's got no trunks. The sleeves are a little longer, but it's still a Superman costume. Yeah. This is not Superman's costume. And what the fuck does it say about him? Like, where this first picture of him, he's just got blood all over his fucking hands. This isn't 1988. And even in 1988, nobody tried to do... Superman. Maybe he's got some sort of compulsive disorder and he can't stop washing his hands. And it's not blood. His hands are just really red now. <laughs> yes. And he's just dripping really red all over his fucking <laughs> shoes. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a rumor that Superman's secret identity might be revealed either during Convergence or, or afterwards. There's There's a panel also up on Bleeding Cool. Let me bang out loaded up where it's it's Ramita art I don't know if it's been photoshopped um and he yeah he outs himself to Jimmy Olsen oh no that was in the uh I think the last issue of Superman which again I haven't uh I haven't read but I've seen the panels you're talking about yeah and, yeah he revealed himself to Jimmy but not widely and the rumor is that people are just going to find out Clark Kent is Superman. Well, you walk around wearing the t-shirt and Levi's. Well, yes, that certainly wouldn't help. But then again, based on that, looking at me, uh, I'm the comedian from Watchmen right now based on my t-shirt. Oh, my God. Do you have a gun? Uh, I do not have a gun. Do you fight for the U.S. Army? <laughs> um, yes, I'm hiding my gun under these folds of lard. But no, I'm not a superhero. Stop it. This is just an awful costume for so many reasons. I'm looking at the Superman costume. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost the t-shirt one. No, the 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 one that they're about to trade for the t-shirt and, and jeans. I, I'm almost oh, okay. happier with t-shirt and jeans than continuing to. It's it's got these sleeves that go over like the top of his hands, like he's some sort of skater boy. <laughs> are, are they retractable blades? Maybe no. it's just the new thing at DC. It's. And you know, what retracts is the collar retracts and then goes out over your hands. <laughs> Don't look at me. What What am I, a botanist? Or a, what do you call the people who, who design clothes? Well, the other thing that's just weird looking at this, and I'm going to hand this to you. Tell me you don't see visible panty line. <laughs> like, I don't oh. know what Ramita was thinking. There's visible panty line. No, you know what he was thinking? He was thinking... That he was supposed to put, like, red undies there, and he got confused and then went back? That's happened at least once since he took over. <laughs> that the original art that was released in the solicits had the trunks, and they had to take it out in the coloring. So it's very possible that's what's happening here. Well, you know, it, it doesn't look right. It looks like the spanks are showing through. Well, what it looks like, actually, is, yeah, everything is nice and taut and tight up to his junk. <laughs> and then his uh, pant legs are loose and puffy, as like Jericho? If, as if he's rocking, you know, just withered, terrible, crippled legs. <laughs> like, like he's got some wasting disorder. <laughs> and he's just uh, miracling, miracling himself upright. <laughs> so That polio is a hell of a disease. Yeah, but you know what? Beyond the sleeve and the stupid collar, uh, yeah, you put the trunks on him, that's Superman's costume. Yes. So it, it still, to me, counts. Whereas jeans, t-shirt, work boots, and blood everywhere <laughs> don't really seem like Superman to me. It's the new accessory. 
All right, number one, if they if they in fact are getting rid of if they're exposing Clark Kent as Superman to the general public, that's a terrible fucking idea. Yes. Yeah. This is the first superhero and part of what has made superheroes endure for more than 70 years is the secret identity. Yes. There's something powerful. And we've talked about this in the show before, and it's certainly, it's not like it's an original thought, but there's something powerful to kids about the idea of, okay, you can see me as weak or clumsy, but if you knew who I really am and what I could really do, right. you'd respect me. Yeah, that, that's the whole that's the whole power of the secret identity. It, it could be the guy standing next to you. It could be your neighbor. It, yeah, and, and to take that away from Superman, the first one, I think it's a terrible idea. Yes. Now, certainly this can be walked back. Perhaps he can make a deal with Mephisto and give up his uh, relationship with Wonder Woman and solve a couple things with one stone. Mixelplick. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, although, sadly, the Superman Wonder Woman book, when mm -hmm. Charles Sewell was writing it, really was pretty good. I I heard good things. I tried to read it. I didn't really get into it just because I, I just can't ship them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, neither can I, but it was a generally pretty good comic book, but... Yeah, long term, to have, and we've talked about this too, to have Superman in love with Wonder Woman means that it is more important for him to be Superman than Clark Kent. Yes. And if that's the case, it is a gross misunderstanding of the character. Yes. So, while I don't have a lot invested in Wonder Woman as a whole, and I thought the book was okay, I do think it's a bad idea for them to be... In a relationship. It's been going on a couple of years now. Well, I can also make the argument from from the looking for a strong female character point of view, why does she have to be in a relationship? Why does what is why does she need to be in a relationship to define her? And you've absolutely got a point, but you know, like I've said here, Wonder Woman is not a character that I have a lot invested in. So I look at it more from the you know, since I have more invested in Superman and it's, it could be as simple as I'm a dude. Yeah. But. And not that I thought Steve Trevor was any great shakes either. <laughs> Steve Trevor is a douchebag. <laughs> I hope he dies serving Argus. <laughs> Jesus. But. Okay, there's some issues in there's there. There's never been a Steve Trevor since Lyle Wagoner. I've said it. Do you need to talk to Barbie about your issues with Steve Trevor? <laughs> Why won't Lyle Wagoner return my calls? You're useless. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I had a little incident there, and I apologize. <laughs> Are you okay? I think I'm going to be all right. You're going to be all right? <laughs> I worry about you. <laughs> Hands above the table. <laughs> God damn it. You're not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> so, yeah, Superman shouldn't uh, lose his secret identity. And... <laughs> but it's... I'm not sure what we're supposed to take from this image is if he loses his secret identity and we see evidence in the first image that we see of that, assuming that's the plot point that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. The first thing we see is the aftermath of violence. What are we supposed to take from that? That Superman decides to just dress more like a human while acting less human. Maybe it's a Photoshopped image. 
And therein lies the peril of having your image out there and easily gotten to by the masses. <laughs> Somebody can just drag it into Photoshop, gore you up. What? <laughs> so you, you think this publicity image is meant to be a different image that somebody in the DC universe photoshopped to make Superman look bad. Sure, why not? This Superman who has a different haircut and a different costume and might not even be Superman? Yes. You're freaking me out. Well, it, it seems to me like the easiest thing that you can do to manipulate popular opinion about someone, Lex, if you're listening, oh, Jesus. <laughs> would be to, to get some misinformation out there. I think you, you're stretching a long fucking way to make this one. Oh, I know I make am. Make this something that it, it isn't. No, I totally am. But my, but it could go in that direction. <laughs> it could also be magical elves. I mean, it's a comic book. It's words and pictures. It can go in any direction. <laughs> It doesn't mean that's what's going to happen. No, I, but I, my my point being that if he's going to go this everyman route, then he's also opening himself up to the, being held to a particular standard. He's always, he's <laughs> Superman. He's always held himself to a particular standard. In the court of popular opinion. You have so completely and thoroughly <laughs> lost me. Does this all still hang on the idea this is a photoshopped image? No. Can I have some beer? <laughs> <laughs> Barbie, was the image photoshopped? Signs point to no. I... <laughs> all right, let's move away from this because I, yeah, I, I don't think I can fully explain myself on on that. It was a thought. Okay, it's born of brain damage. When it comes to Superman, yeah, I've got a very bad feeling about this this picture. We'll we'll see how it goes, but particularly since we we've got and I forget the name of the writer. God damn it, the writer who's taking over Superman is a guy who has not written comics before, if I remember right. Hmm. So that's well, well, it's a hell of a book to put a brand new uh, writer. I mean, certainly, he's written other things, but yeah, I can't remember his name. Shit, I'm gonna have to look it up later. But unless they're planning on going down some red kryptonite storyline or something oh please god no i survived what 11 seasons of fucking smallville i can't see another red kryptonite storyline i can't just, do it just gonna put that out there and leave it there oh red, god red kryptonite you are the worst person in the world <laughs> <laughs> god damn it all right yes put that out there so yeah okay uh, when it comes to Batman, I'll take on faith it's going to be somebody other than Bruce Wayne uh, wearing this costume. If it is Bruce Wayne carrying a giant smoking handgun, I'm going to have a real fucking problem with it. Yes. And particularly after several months of Scott Snyder going, Joker might be immortal and always have been in Gotham. He might lose me completely if if this is Bruce Wayne brandishing a firearm. Period. It may not be a firearm. It may be a pistol-shaped device that, I don't know, throws confetti like Rip Torn. <laughs> yeah. well, what, we got <laughs> here, what we got here is one of them old-fashioned Texas love tubes. You just bring it out <laughs> in the streets. Batman, I told you to put your flashlight away. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll go with Texas love tubes because that might get past iTunes. <laughs> All right, so Wonder Woman... I don't think it's the best costume in the world, but again, I don't have nearly as much invested in, in Wonder Woman as I do Batman and Superman. So ultimately, I honestly don't care. 
Yeah. I mean, the original suit's iconic, but it was designed by a fucking bondage enthusiast who was a <laughs> polygamist, and he had weird ideas about strength came from submission. So she's the god of war. Like I said, she should have fucking pants. <laughs> you know, the biggest problem I have with it is the Wolverine looking gauntlets, but, you know, it's only because I can't look at him and go, yeah, okay, Wolverine. Yeah. Well, they're not even Wolverine. It's like one blade as opposed to the three, but there is enough of a hint towards if, that. If a sort of blade thing. pops out of the back of your hand, it's Wolverine. It was the biggest problem I had with the first issue of the new Hawkman book. That's a good point. Uh, coming out the first week of the new 52, they gave him nth metal claws. Well, what the fuck did you think you were doing? <laughs> Fuck's sake. Accessorizing. Yes, of course, accessorizing. <laughs> I don't know. Did he have feet? No. <laughs> no he didn't draw Hawkman. I okay. forget who did. Yeah. That was Hawk and Dove you're thinking of. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. That's the one thing I guess. <laughs> yeah, we, we may have problems with some of these costumes, but at least it's not Hawk and Dove by Rob Liefeld. Yeah, you know what? There are no pouches on any of these. There's no pouches. Everybody's eyes are level. <laughs> I saw feet. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see feet on the, on the Wonder Woman. I did not see feet on Wonder Woman. You are correct, but I have seen. I think that that Finch can draw feet. Though. I've seen I've... David Finch draw feet. Yeah. So <laughs> things could certainly be worse. Red kryptonite. Oh God! You know, you, you say that why this beer is warm. It was my kryptonite. <laughs> I almost needed a new fucking microphone. <laughs> All right, how are we doing on time? Uh. 132, 122, 122. Okay. Wanna move? We're going to come in under two hours. Oh, my God. <laughs> I apologize for last week's show. If you're listening, that went on way too long. I appreciate you listening to it. But we're going to come in a little lighter this week. So, uh, all right. Uh, which book do you want to start with? Um, how about Howard the Duck? All right. Uh, Howard the Duck, number one, written by Chip Zdarsky, uh, art by Joe Quinones. Yeah, it, Howard's back. Howard is back. <laughs> He's uh, working as a private detective in New York. He gets himself a big case to find a necklace that was stolen by the black cat. Um, and with no help from his lawyer, She-Hulk, uh, he and his new sidekick, at least for this issue, uh, <laughs> Tara, find the necklace. They escape from the black cat uh, just in time to be sucked into the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, basically. <laughs> basically, yeah. Um, so... Now, I've read a bunch, not the entire run, but I've read a bunch of the older Steve Gerber, Howard the Duck books. How familiar are you with, with I, older Howard? I'm not very. I, I seem to recall having rented the movie once. That certainly <laughs> does not <laughs> fucking count. That's, okay. <laughs> yeah, no. It was wrong and you knew it. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, what did you think of the book? With Not having much of a background with the comic book. Well, I mean, it's got a light tone. It, it it's it's a it's kind of like eating a sleeve of Pringles. <laughs> okay. Not not a lot of depth there, but you know, easy to go through quickly. Okay. Um. I I felt that Zdarsky was attempting a humorous book. Nothing made me laugh out loud, but I could see him trying. Okay, a, a couple things got me. He got me once or twice. But again, there might have been some Easter eggs in there for people who were more familiar with his history, and I'm not, so those might have sailed over my head. I'll be honest with you, not very much. Okay. <laughs> not very much. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Zdarsky's a funny dude, so there was some stuff in here I, I really did like. I mean, right out of the gate, 
that riffing on the smashing pumpkins, you know, calling them the quack quacking pumpkins, and then mm-hmm. right away, just they were horrible. They were <laughs> just the worst. It's all right. <laughs> yep, I can retroactively. That's how I feel about Billy Corkin. So, <laughs> and there's a way to say it without uh, anybody getting sued. Yeah, I, I I appreciated the line, but it didn't make me laugh out loud. Okay. Well, what about the uh, different names for She-Hulk, Scary Mason, the Jolly Green Client? Uh, Those I kind of liked. <laughs> the one thing I really liked was uh, you've got the two-page, no, the the one-page montage of Howard and Tara in a training montage to get ready to break into the Black Cat's apartment. And they've got the lyrics to the song going, and they're showing them training against multiple uh, assailants and laser-based security systems and just doing all this work. And then you turn the page, and immediately their entire plan was kick the door down and pretend they're pizza delivery people, and the alarm's going off, and they're just flailing around just to, yeah, to, that go, was from, right. to go from the montage to, what are we doing again as the alarm's going off? I really like that. Yeah, Oh, by the Motivators, 1987. That's good. I don't think it was a real band. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I did like that. Um, uh, that really worked for me. I, th- it, I thought that was really funny. So, yeah, another thing I liked, seeing Spider-Man make a cameo, just because back in the 70s, every first issue had Spider-Man make a cameo in it. As a yeah. matter of fact, Spider-Man was in the first issue of Howard the Duck back in the 70s. So, yeah, but I don't know. I I found the the whole like Uncle Ben. No, I'm sorry, Uncle Ben. Distracting more than it, it's supposed <laughs> See, to be I funny. I kind of like that. I was just eh. okay. <laughs> yeah, look, <laughs> clearly the humor worked a little better for me than for you, which is fine. Humor is subjective. Zadarsky's sense of humor is very different from what Steve Gerber's was back in the day. Um unfortunately that's the biggest problem with it gerber was really damn near a genius with howard the duck mm. i mean because i went back through after i read this you probably saw it out uh, i've got the yeah, essential right yeah the essential howard the duck reprint which took me years to fucking find you were so excited when you found that <laughs> yeah because uh it's back in print now you can get the uh, actual howard the duck omnibus which is uh, in color and i think has gerber's last four issue miniseries mm-hmm. from the early 2000s but but yeah, for years you just couldn't fucking get those books. Right. But you know, look at it this way: Howard the Duck debuted in a book called Giant Size Man Thing. <laughs> in, in this, not a euphemism. No. Well, no. It, well, uh, um, <laughs> in the second issue of Howard the Duck, there is a line: "I am Felch," the turnip said telepathically. Now it's Felch with a ph, but. This is a book with the Comic Code Authority seal on it. Yeah. You know, the third issue, it's titled Master of Quack Foo, and it's got a lot of funny stuff on it, but it's really a pretty solid anti-violence satire that uses kung fu movies to make that point. Yeah. You know, in, in various issues, they use Howard as a satire about people who are complaining that comics corrupt kids and you know, makes fun of critics. Gerber would not like us. <laughs> he just wouldn't. <laughs> you know. Sometimes I don't like us. <laughs> have another beer. I'll feel, we'll both feel good about us. You're right. I feel pretty good about us. All right. There you go. 
I just keep her drunk, folks. It's worked so far. But red kryptonite. Oh god. <laughs> but it, and one of the strengths of Gerber's original series was it was really all in the tagline, trapped in a world he never made. Howard was just sort of a re- he was trying to be a regular guy in Cleveland, but all this stuff would just fucking happen to him. That he just kept getting caught in these weird situations, whether he wanted to or not. And here, Howard's an active participant. You know, he's a detective. He works with She-Hulk. He goes and finds Spider-Man. He hunts down the black cat. You get sort of a hint of the old feel of stuff happening to Howard when, uh, what was it, the Gatherer? Mm. Just sort of shows up and sucks him into space. And now it's a new thing happening to him. But overall, he's more a part of things than, than I remember from from the old Gerber issues. Yeah. Well, I guess it depends on, on where Zdarsky is going to go with this overall arc, because if it's, if it's just a quick ploy to get him out into space. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it was smart to do that as quickly as possible because you've got a whole generation of people who really only know the character from that scene. Right. So, yeah, to get him out there and interacting with those characters, you know, to have that post credit sequence make any sense at all beyond James Gunn likes Howard the Duck was probably a smart way to go. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and one of the things that is just beyond Zdarsky's or Canonez's control is this really works. Howard the Duck works best when he looks like fucking Donald Duck. Right. Yeah, he just does. Yeah, having having a Disney character in these weird situations just builds humor into it without really having to do anything. And yet there was a lawsuit back in the 70s or the 80s where Disney sued Marvel and said, no, Howard the Duck has to look different. He has to be wearing pants. You know, there was a right. whole bunch of stuff, but Disney owns Marvel now. Right. <laughs> You know, where's the corporate synergy, man? <laughs> where's the thinking outside the box? Where's the rope so I can hang myself for saying shit like that into a microphone so people can hear it? Say synergy again. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> God damn it. Let's start it! Let's start it. Everyone be cool. <laughs> you be cool. There we go. Uh, there it is. Everybody be cool. You be cool. I'm a little slow on the gun today. <laughs> what, can you, what can I tell you? So yeah, I mean, I I recommend the book. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, I'll I'll give the second issue a day in court. I I think the issue for me, and this isn't necessarily Zdarsky's fault, because I don't know what his intentions were in terms of the characterization. I didn't find Howard likable. Therefore, it didn't do much for me. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with that because Howard really has never been likable. And I suspected that was the case, but... Yeah, he was always a cigar-chomping, condescending, supposed to be the voice of common sense in a world-gone-mad kind of character. Yeah. So I, I thought the general characterization beyond the active role that he took... And it's it's been a long time since I read through the entire run. I just went back through like four or five of the early issues today to refamiliarize myself. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I got that book like three years ago and burned through it, but it's been a while. But, I mean, but, a character doesn't have to be likable to engage me. There's certainly no short, shortage of bastard characters out there. It's, but, you know, if he's if he's not going to be likable, then 
I need something. Well, and that's that's something that was missing from this. Again, he was supposed to be the voice of common sense. So yeah. he would, you know, in the early issues, yeah, go up against people who, you know, to use the kung fu violence example, you know, I know kung fu, so I will fight to the death. And it's like, no, have you ever been in a street fight? It's a terrible thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, up against pop psychologists it, it was really meant to be the voice of common sense with all the stuff from the 70s you know the est and pop psychology and okay and, and with that you it works on that satire level as long as you're going after bigger targets and trying to be common sense you know if you personify a concept like pop psychology you can talk common sense shit to them and it's a little funnier and and more palatable than talking shit to She-Hulk, <laughs> who is a character. And Yeah, I, I didn't, unless something is going to play out in the larger arc, I didn't get a lot of satire here. Yeah, no, this was comedy, but it was not satire. That could come, but uh, we're not seeing it yet. And that's why the Gerber stuff is much better. Even that last uh, miniseries that he did in the early 2000s, a ton of stuff against... Uh, not archetypes, but pastiches of Spider Jerusalem and the stuff that was big in comics in the early 2000s. Yeah. You know, he made fun of with that. I mean, to the point where he made Howard a mouse <laughs> because he wasn't allowed to make him the good old Howard the Duck. He's like, fine, he's Mickey Mouse, bitch. <laughs> Didn't look like Mickey Mouse, but. So, yeah, it, it works as a comedy. Um, so yeah, I recommend the book, but yeah, frankly, if you got a choice, I recommend the original Howard the Duck Omnibus a little bit more, and it's back in print, so it's it's worth hunting down. If you, if you like this book at all, definitely hunt down the originals, because while I like this, the originals are better. There you go. So, anything else on Howard? No, like I said, I'll I'll, I'll give the, the second issue a day in court just to see, but I... It didn't grab me, but that's okay. Not everything has to grab me. <laughs> yeah, not everything has to be for either one of us. It's a cool thing about comics. There should be something for everybody. <laughs> but we only have a certain number of hours in the week to do a show, so once in a while we'll pick one that eh, works for one of us, doesn't work for the other. Yeah. All right, you want to do the other? Yes. Speaking of which. Speaking of which. So Southern Cross number one, it's an, uh, an image book. Yes. Written by Becky Cloonan, art by Andy Bellinger. I think I'm pronouncing that right. If I'm not, I apologize. But So yeah, Alex Braith, a uh, character has booked passage to Titan on the tanker Southern Cross to pick up her sister's body. She died there under circumstances that have not yet been explained. Uh, yeah, she's stuck on this tanker, her cabin mates talky and irritating guy across the hall maybe a rapist <laughs> maybe uh, first mate's a bitch captain's friendly got that going for her. for some reason uh he's a little obsessed at staring at the pale pulsating triangle triangular gravity drive but which seems to talk to alex yeah for some reason alex's sister seems to be haunting the gravity drive but you know it's only five days to tighten with these people. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> we know that she has a criminal background. Yeah, at least one assault and battery conviction. Um, We know that her sister was working for some interstellar version of Exxon in an administrative capacity before yep. she died. And that Alex's 
cabin mate is investigating that death. Yeah, we discover that near the end. Um, we discover that Alex is the sort of individual who can kind of magically bump into the right person who can take her along in the exposition of the story. <laughs> yeah, there was some obvious exposition in this book. <laughs> Not a ton of it, but enough of it where it's like, okay, you're you're giving me background. Okay, I got you. Oh, how convenient that you bumped into the the captain of the ship who wants to take you to see the gravity drive. Yeah, actually, that scene really it's like, <laughs> apparently we've uh, eliminated terrorism by the time this happens because <laughs> yeah, fuck it, let's take you to the gravity drive. You want to see the cockpit? How about the bomb room? I mean, <laughs> so, so yeah, that. First mate, PMS McBitch. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I have been on planes in my life. I've never bumped into the pilot, the co-pilot. I've, and, and yeah, she's just running into everybody on this ship. Yeah. This ship that's so crowded she can't get her own room. Yeah. She just happens to see the entire bridge crew. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the exposition was kind of a problem obviously it's a brand new creator owned book there needs to be a certain amount of it to build the world yes but there were parts that that jumped out as uh, i get where you're laying down yeah i mean it was it was an enjoyable story it, it there's some world building happening here even yeah. within the confines of this tanker yeah look there's a lot about this book that really is is in my wheelhouse it's that kind of lived in dirty cyberpunky science fiction yeah you know it, not everything is you know, Isaac Asimov, you know, oh, everything is beautiful and the government is controlling. No, people have to live here and work here. This is a working freighter. Yep. Um, the, you know, it's stuffed with blue collar working stiffs who don't necessarily like what they're doing for them. It's just another day at the job. Yep. You know, it's, it's aliens, truckers in space. <laughs> and, and it's the kind of lived in world I like my sci-fi in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can definitely see, you know, if they ever make a movie out of this, they've they've got their their work pretty much done for them in terms of the kind of world that could be created for such a movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, and I I want to call out the art in this, mostly the the page composition because mm. uh, some of it was very reminiscent of other things that I've seen before. But there was some really cool stuff in here. You know, there was one area where. Uh, just the panel borders were just sort of industrial pipes. Yeah. So you're just sort of getting the mood of the place that you're in just based on how the page is put together. Yeah. That big open splash background that showed the spaceport that sort of visually shows, okay, this is LaGuardia or you know, the Boston waterfront in space. Yeah. When uh, she's being led to her room, the page where she's following uh, the doctor. Yep. That is the panel transitions are built in and it's her going down ladders and elevators and staircases and realizing she's in steerage <laughs> realizes she's in steerage, but visually we get the message. This is a big confusing maze of a ship. Yes. Now in one page without writing a single thing down, which is why as much as I like that, I was kind of let down a few pages later where we're explicitly told, hmm, I don't know where I am. I don't remember this. Say, Look, I know. You already showed me on this page it's a zoo and nothing is anywhere it looks like. Yeah. You don't have to tell me two pages later that it's easy to get lost on the Southern Cross. Right. 
Now, that said, there's one panel there that shows a sci-fi wonder, pyramid-shaped sci-fi wonder, no less, reflected in a blue eye that's straight out of fucking Blade Runner. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, overall, uh, there was a lot of cool stuff that happened with the art on this. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Again, this is another one where I'm going to want to see where it goes by by issue two. Like, how much stuff do they feel they've got established up front where they can settle down and just tell the story? Yeah. Yeah, but when it comes to the setting, yeah, it really, like I said, it's an alien or outland feel. You know, everyone is just, okay, this is just shit that we have to do. We're stuck here. We're going to be out here for months. Yeah. Um, Another thing. I'm not sure if I liked it. It depends on what she does with it. There's really kind of an overall rapey feeling to the... Well, here's what I'm saying. we got the creep across the hall who basically propositions Alex. Yes. You know, we, we've got the captain who invites this random stranger into the depths of, oh, come with me to the bowels of the ship to, <laughs> to look at the vaginal gravity drive. <laughs> and, and then the captain takes him to the cook and says, oh, he packs a mean sausage and... You know. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. You know, Although get, I, I, the response by the cook, which was, you know, no disrespect intended, Captain, get the hell out of my cafeteria. I, I did like that. <laughs> but, you know, and then we get the creepy double entendres from the guys in the mess hall. You know, it, well, there's probably not a lot of women on these. And look, which is fine. And what I'm hoping, I've got to believe it's on purpose. What I'm hoping clunan is doing is using it as a tool just to create a general sense of menace on the ship overall yeah that that the people could be menacing as long as it's being used to set a a tone and put people on edge yeah it certainly was effective because yeah every one of these like okay here's where it's going to go wrong and it didn't here's what's going to go wrong and it didn't as oh, long yeah. as it's being used to set tone, that's fine. Because, you know, the rape investigation in space does not seem like a book I'd be interested in reading. Well, okay, that's what, that's what I'm gonna, I was going to ask you, is, like, as long as it's to set tone and not do what? Well, it's, right now we got what looks to be potentially a murder mystery in space, or at least uh, yeah. an unexplained death in space. If that's what it turns out to be, I'm on board. Just And I don't think it's going to be the case, just because of the weird haunting... Yeah. In the gravity drive and, oh, she seems to be hearing voices. We're going to get some kind of haunted spaceship thing, which I don't want. If I wanted haunted spaceships, I'd go watch Event Horizon and I've never <laughs> watched Event Horizon. I don't care. I don't want that. Yeah, it's not a very good movie. That's, <laughs> that's what I've heard. But, but yeah, I mean, the idea of a murder mystery in space... You know, on this, that's fine. But if the death of the sister is an excuse to get this character where she can be raped in international spaceways or something that becomes this other thing. I don't know that they're necessarily going to go in that direction. I mean, that's like I said, that's when a writer takes the step to do that to a character. That's a very particular choice. And that's one of those ones where you would ask Why? What are you hoping to accomplish by doing that that you couldn't have done in some other fashion? And I don't think that Clunan would do that. And and neither do I. But there were enough individual points of there is potentially menace 
to Alex from a man. Like, I listed off three or four of them where it's, okay, we're seeing this over and over again. It's got to be on purpose. But I think it's more effective storytelling to do it that way through tone rather than to do it through exposition. Because that's one of the things that, that separates this book from, say, Bitch Planet, where it's just hits you in the exposition over and over again. Uh, yeah, and that's why if it's being used to establish general menace, then okay, mission accomplished. I'm on board. She's not safe here. Yeah. These people do not have her best interests at heart as this story goes forward. I get it. Yeah. And that's probably what's going to be the case. So we'll see. Because, yeah, it's this book is pressing all the right buttons for me. But, yeah, if a rapey ghost shows up, I'm just going to go fucking watch Alien again. <laughs> rapey ghost. <laughs> Don't write that one I'm down. I'm not going to we'll write that down. never get through iTunes. <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot here that I liked. And I'm, I'm definitely in for the haul. If something weird goes on, we'll reevaluate. But. There's enough here. I'm I'm going to add it to my pulls, frankly. There you go. Make sure I don't miss it. So, anything else on this? No, I, I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm, I think that I'm looking forward to the next issue. Yeah, and the owner of our local comic store, <laughs> he definitely knew. Because, yeah, he just, didn't he just put this in with your pulls this week? No, I, I pulled this. Okay. I, I, Cause I yeah, this. Because, yeah, he said, man, I can already see the movie they're going to make out of this. It's <laughs> really good, so... All right, how are we doing on time? It is about quarter to the second hour. All right, so why don't we uh, wrap it up? Okay. So, yes, thank you for listening. I'm not sure where you found this particular episode, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We are on Facebook. You can find the link to our Facebook page through our home website. Uh, we don't do a hell of a lot there. We really keep meaning to do more, but you can certainly send us messages through Facebook, and we will get them. We are on Tumblr, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. We're on Twitter. I, I never remember. What the fuck is our Twitter handle? At Infinite Midlife. At Infinite Midlife. Barbie, why can't Rob ever remember at Infinite Midlife? Rob has a drinking problem. <laughs> You're so functioning. <laughs> <laughs> Only barely. But uh, yeah, you can find the uh, find the show on iTunes. If, if you get this through there, do us a favor. Leave us a review. Uh, give us a rating. Helps people find the show and... We like hearing from listeners. Yes, we do. Uh, we are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. Anything I'm missing? Tune in radio. We are on tune in radio. Everywhere we can be found, you can find uh, in a big sticky post on crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. <laughs> sticky in the internet sense, not sticky in the other sense. Oh, God. You just want to suck the joy out of everything. All right. That is it. This has been episode 59. Yes. The Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. And I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. What? <laughs> I'm going to pee my pants. Oh, Jesus. <laughs>